Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at relevantradio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here on this Thursday. Hope your day is off to a good start as we begin this hour dedicated to spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Now, if somebody came up to you and asked you to hold a small piece of plutonium or uranium without a glove, without any protective gear, would you do it? Would you find yourself playing with a bit of radium or polonium? If someone asked you to hold any of these dangerous radioactive materials, you'd probably look at them like they were crazy, and you should. But when scientists were first discovering and learning about these materials, they carried them around casually. They didn't have any worry or care about what radiation might do to them. The primary scientist, the one that you likely already know, who is associated with research and experimentation with radioactive substances, is Marie Curie. She was a brilliant Polish woman, a physicist, a chemist. She moved to Paris when she was 24. She was the first woman to win the Nobel Prize and the first person, man or woman, then to win the Nobel Prize twice. And she was also the first woman to become a professor at the University of Paris, lived at the end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th century. Marie Curie and her husband, Pierre, they did pioneering work there in that field of radioactivity. She di- discovered two of those uh, substances I mentioned, polonium and radium. She also championed the use of radiation in medicine and fundamentally changed our understanding of radioactivity. In fact, even that word, she's the person who coined that term, radioactivity. But all of her work also eventually led to her death. She died of a condition that ca- it was caused by prolonged exposure to radium and polonium. Marie and Pierre, they never thought that any of the experiments that they were doing were harmful. At one point, Pierre, he even had tied a chunk of radium to his arm for 10 hours just to see what the effect would be. Marie, she contaminated almost her entire household, along with many of her personal items, because she frequently carried samples of radium and polonium just in the pockets of her lab coat, brought them home to analyze them in her spare time. In fact, if you want to go and look at the original notebooks in which she wrote, it has her handwriting there, about her research, you have to sign a liability waiver, And you have to wear all kinds of protective gear. Those notebooks are kept along with other items, personal items from Marie. They're kept in lead-lined boxes because they're highly radioactive and they'll remain that way for hundreds of years. 
Now, remember what I said just a few minutes ago, how if someone asked you to hold any of these dangerous radioactive materials, you'd probably look at them like they were crazy, right? Again, that is the proper reaction. The World Health Organization and the International Agency for Research on Cancer, they both have radium listed as a group one carcinogen. What that means, a group one carcinogen is defined as something that is known and probable to cause cancer in humans. Other things that fall in that group one category are things like asbestos, solar radiation, ultraviolet tanning devices, and tobacco smoke. Those are just a few. I'm sure you're not surprised to hear that those fall in that category of substances or agents that are known to cause cancer. Do you know another group one carcinogen, one that is prescribed by doctors around the world, and no one really talks about the dangers or the risks that are associated with it? It's the pill, the birth control pill. The National Cancer Institute has data that states that in over 50, 5050 studies, the research showed that women who actively used oral contraceptives had a 24% increase in risk of developing breast cancer. 24%, that's about one in four women that has that possibility of developing breast cancer. Another study showed that the longer a woman used the pill, the greater the increase in her risk of cervical cancer. If a woman continued taking the birth control pill for more than five years, she's at a 60%, 60 60% increased risk of developing cervical cancer. And it goes up the longer it's used. But this is rarely ever discussed. One of the problems here with contraception is that contraception is trying to fix something that isn't broken, something that is in perfectly good working order, and that's human fertility. The Catholic Church regularly comes under attack for standing firm on its teaching against the use of artificial contraception. But there are many, many good reasons for this to not use contraception, both practically speaking as well as the morality of it. And today we want to look at why the Catholic Church teaches that married couples should be open to life. And by the end of this hour, we hope to have a better understanding of why this is so important and how it can help you to be healthier and happier in your marriage. And joining us as our spiritual director for the hour today, Father Joseph Johnson is back with us once again. Father Johnson is a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis and the pastor of Holy Family Catholic Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Father, welcome back to the program. Always a delight to talk with you. Thanks, Josh. Good to be with you. You know, and, and, and on this uh, feast of St. Blaise, we, we talk about health, so it's it's good to lead into this discussion with talking about you know, uh, our concern for being a good steward of the, the health of our body, and of course, a good steward of the health of our soul as well. Well, and I also do want to just, at the beginning of the program, start off with a brief disclaimer. Uh, you know, as we're talking here about contraception, about openness to life, some of the points we discussed today might not be completely appropriate for younger ears. And we're not going to dive into the methodology of natural family planning. Since this is a show about spiritual direction, we want to focus more on the aspects of understanding the Church's teaching on this subject and how that openness to life and marriage allows you to grow closer to God, along with growing closer to your spouse. But that said, 
if you do have a child there with you listening, it might be a good idea to come back and listen to the podcast later. And uh, so before we dive into any more of the conversation, at least wanted to say that at the outset. But Father, maybe we can start off by discussing marriage itself for a moment. Marriage, one of the seven sacraments of our church. How can we look at marriage with spiritual eyes? So much in our, so many times in our society, marriage is looked at more as kind of a contractual agreement that can be dissolved uh, by divorce. But how can we look at it and understand the impact that it has on the husband, on the wife, and their relationship, not only together, but their relationship to God? Well, and it's, it's a good point, uh, Josh, that, that uh, the sacrament of marriage, as, as we have it, uh, marriage itself pre-existed Christ, so so there is marriage that is not a sacrament. Uh, you know, the before we changed the translations uh, in the liturgy, I think the the wedding prayer went something along like this: that marriage is the one blessing not forfeited by original sin or washed away by the flood. You know, what a, what a beautiful way of thinking about that. Marriage goes all the way back to Genesis, uh, and and it's there where we find. Uh, God looking at his creation, he's, he's created things. In the first place, he looks at something and, and doesn't call it good, right? Because you remember every day he looks at what he did and says, I pronounces it good. Then he creates the next day, he pronounces right. it good. The first time something's not good is, is well before original sin. Uh, so wait a minute, how can this be? There's something that's not good before sin enters the world? Yes, God looked at man and thought he was alone. It is not good for man to be alone. And that's when he created Eve, right? And there is marriage and the beauty of, of God's plan, the complementarity of persons, uh, the mutual self-gift, and an image of the Trinity. It's not good for man to be alone because man was created in the image and likeness of God, and God is a communion of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in order for man to live up to that image of being created in God, man has to enter into a communion of persons. Now, that communion of persons is marriage in a, in, as, a, as a norm of the natural world, uh, but it's also the communion of persons that we find in uh, the church and, and things like that. So it's not that single people are, are left out of, of living that image of God. It just happens in a different way. But then Christ comes along in his first miracle at the wedding of Cana to change water into wine isn't just a party favor. The church understands that that Christ is is taking uh, the natural institution of marriage uh, that goes all the way back to Genesis, and he's elevating it to the level of a sacrament. Uh, and so that's the beauty uh, of what Christ does, is takes this natural relationship and he elevates it uh, on the level of grace. So... Having that understanding, then, looking at marriage, having that uh, knowledge of how Christ elevated it, let's talk about the tr the Catholic Church's teaching on contraception. This is one of those where, uh, as I said, the Catholic Church regularly comes under fire. You know, the, the Church is behind the times. It's uh, patriarchal. It's against women. It doesn't want women to be able to, you know, uh, be in control of their own bodies. There are so many different uh, talking points, arguments that might get thrown out. Help us understand the Catholic Church and why the Catholic Church says artificial contraception is not a good thing for the human. Well, so marriage has two 
uh, goals, two uh, ends, we call it the, the ends of marriage. One is the unitive, that is, is the the union of, of husband and wife is expressed in a deep and intimate way through through the sexual act. And then the second is the procreative, that is, that it's an openness life. It's a great dignity that God confers on a man and a woman to allow them to be co-creators. We usually say procreation, but, but it's also co-creators with God in bringing forth new life. So both of those goals are, are worthy, uh, dignified goals that it's a privilege for, for a husband and wife to participate in. What goes wrong is when we separate them or we say, I want one of these goals but not the other. And it used to be when this whole question of contraception began in the modern world because, of course, contraception way predates the uh, the, the the pill, the birth control pill, by sure, millennia. Sure. Right. The ancient Egyptians had, had different forms of of contraception, not as effective as as what we have. But but anyway, it's not a new philosophical or theological discussion. It's just new methodologies. Uh, but but what what happens now? We see that that people want to have sex for its unitive uh, quality, but to say no to that procreative opportunity. Right, not that that you have to intend to have a child every time you'd have marital relations, but you have to be open to it. And now what we're seeing is the opposite as well. Now people are saying, "I want to have a child. I just don't want to be troubled with a spouse, or I don't even want to be troubled with a person of the other sex. Uh, we'll just go to a test tube." Right. So, right. so what you it's found completely is, gone and backwards. Yeah. Exactly. As soon as you unravel that bond between the two of them, it's going to go. It's going to go wrong in both directions. And that's what we see, all of this Dr. Frankenstein stuff uh, that you see with doctors experimenting with this and that and the other, and all of that, that's all life without love, right? And just like contraception is, is trying to have love without life. It's not really love, it's more lust. But it's, you're, you're splitting what are supposed to be two joined goals for, for the marital act. And, and it becomes deeply problematic on both sides. Well... And it it essentially makes that couple, it leads them to lie to each other. They de- deceive each other with their bodies then. They might say out loud to each other, I love you, I, I, I love everything about you, every part of you, I want to be with you and no one else. But then when that couple uses contraception, then they're really communicating in a physical way. I love you and I want to use you for my pleasure, but I don't actually want all of you. I, I want everything except for that fertility, that procreative aspect, the two that you talked about. I want the unitive, not the procreative. I'm just not interested in that. But if we really love someone, we should not only want to love every part, every aspect of them. Uh, we should also want to give back every aspect of ourselves to our spouse, that total gift of self. And if we're holding back something on our part, or if we're rejecting something on the part of our spouse, it's only going to lead to problems in the long run. Well, and also, I'm trying to take something that was set up by God in in the beginning of creation, and then elevated by Christ, and I'm trying to say, okay, I know what your plan for how this works is, Lord, but but, uh, I'm going to live it my way. You know, uh, there is a structure to this that biologically we can trace, right? We, we, can, we can say that, that when, when a couple has marital relations, 
there, there's a release of hormones and things like this, and there is a, a euphoria and all of this. Uh, and obviously, we can trace that there's a biological reality that 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 that, con- that uh, for with woman's fertility and the man's, you know, uh, fertility. If they're if they're normal, then there is this possibility of conception of a new life. We can trace all that scientifically. That's that's mapped into the body. These two ends. Right? It's not, not that you have to believe what the catechism says. This is what a scientist will tell you happens. And yet, we want to say, even though the scientists will say this is the way that our bodies have been created, we are going to say, I want to live it a different way. I repudiate the way God set it up. I'm going to live it my way. And the real scandal of this is, it's not just the outside world that opposes the church on this. I don't know what the statistics are now, but when I was first ordained, Almost a quarter century ago, it, it was well north of 90% of Catholics dissented uh, on this teaching. And mm-hmm. 90% of Catholics yeah. in the United States said no to the Church's teaching on contraception. That's members of the Church. So, so really, our hearts are unconverted to the truth of how God created the human body and the, the beauty of, of complementarity in marriage and and we are letting pride come in. So even before we talk about lust, pride says, I'm going to do it my way. I know better. And that's what we do. We say, God set it up this way. It's clear biologically that's the way it's supposed to work. As you said, medicine is supposed to fix a sickness. This is the only thing where medicine comes into something that's functioning 100% healthy, the way it was designed to function, and shuts it down. So... I'm going to say, I don't want it that way. I'm going to impose my will on, onto the physical reality. I'm going to oppose my will to God's will in the way he designed this to work. There's pride. In That's the first sin. Let, let's pick up on that in just a moment here, Father. I want to open up the phone lines for our listeners. If you're listening and maybe that openness to life in your marriage has been a struggle for you. Maybe uh, you have used artificial contraception in the past and it's something that you're hearing now for the first time and you've got some questions on the Catholic Church's teaching on contraception. And uh, maybe you have been a couple that's been open to life in your marriage, whether that's using natural family planning or whatever it might be. How has that openness to life in your marriage helped you to grow closer to your spouse? How has it helped you to trust in God and his will for your family, understanding the way that uh, God has designed human sexuality? And you can call in and speak with Father Joseph Johnson at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlife@relevantradio.com, and we'll be back with more right after this on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today we'd like to thank Thomas, who's listening in Minnesota, for donating his Saturn. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating your old vehicle by visiting RelevantRadio.com slash car today. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond. Today, talking about openness to life in a marriage and what the Catholic Church teaches about that and uh, why 
there is the problem of using artificial contraception in a marriage. And uh, talking with our spiritual director today, Father Joseph Johnson, and the phone number to call in, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or email us, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. And Father, right before the break, you were talking about how when uh, we separate the unitive from the procreative aspect of the intimacy between a husband and a wife, that marital bond that they have, in that, in that moment we are saying, I know better than God. I'm imposing my will and saying, this is what I want and I know better. And that really, you know, so okay, we, we've identified the problem there, but then what that leads us to, or hopefully what it should lead us to, is us saying, God does know better, and we should be able to trust him because there are, you know, you talked about that kind of backwards attitude that we have in our culture now where people want to have a child without even having a spouse. But there's also in a marriage this idea in our culture that is uh, being perpetuated that a couple deserves to have a child. And this idea of, you know, I, I, I love that you brought up the term procreative. Because procreation, we use that rather than only talking about reproduction when we're talking about a new human life. Because the husband and wife, like you said, they're participating in that creative act of God generating this new immortal human soul. He allows us to be those co-creators. And I, I think the more that we understand this is a matter of trust, the more it gets us away from this idea that I deserve to have a child. I can look at a child as really being a gift from God and we as parents then are just given this incredible and awesome responsibility to help guide those children as they grow and as they mature in our families. Yes, and you know, this has been such confusion both in our in our world, but also even within the church. The the documents of the church have been clear, but but you know, I don't want to assume that all of our listeners uh have understood this perfectly from the moment that Pope St. Paul VI issued Humanae Vitae in 1968, that, that this has been absolutely clear in everyone's minds and all of this. This may be the first time that people are hearing this. This may be something that they've struggled with, whatever. And I just want to tell you, uh, the Lord is pleased that, that if you've turned on the radio today and you're hearing this, he's pleased if you have an openness to, to, to allowing your conscience to be awakened in this way, but he doesn't want you to, to leap to discouragement like, oh no, I've got it all wrong and all that. The Lord is merciful. If this has been something where you went along with the flow of all of society and you've gone along, again, with the flow of so many Catholics even, uh, don't be discouraged by that, but come to see the beauty of what God is proposing uh, how much more wonderful it is than this pride that says, we're going to do it my way. Uh, Father, you know, let's let's also talk about natural family planning. That's one of the main things that the Catholic Church promotes as a means of avoiding pregnancy in a marriage. Natural family planning, it's essentially recognizing the times when the wife is fertile, avoiding relations during those windows of her cycle, and... One thing that somebody might bring up is that this, it really just accomplishes the exact same end as artificial contraception. So since they both do the same thing, aren't they pretty much the same thing? Is natural family planning just a Catholic version of birth control? 
you know, and, and sometimes it's pejoratively called that, you know, uh, but, but of course, what we realize is there has to be a difference in the, in the disposition of heart, you know, as far as mechanics, yes, we can, we can talk about, uh, you know, accuracy of different methods and all of this, and you could just consider it a method, but there's something more to it, which is first honoring of God's plan, uh, and second, through those periods of abstinence, a, a fostering of communication and other forms of intimacy. Now, and again, here's where you and I are talking about within the context of marriage, but so much has gone on before a couple gets married. Did you prepare right. for marriage chastely? That's the first question. And of course, there, there are a lot of people that, that live together and, and have relations before they get married, in which case abstinence has never been part of, of their relationship. And so then it's shocking to think about it and what does that look like. For those who have prepared for marriage in a chaste manner, uh, you know, not giving into sexual you know, uh, relations before the wedding, or at least, you know, struggling, and, and even if there's a lapse or two, you know, committing to this ideal, right, then, then it's a different discussion. You already know a little bit about it. But working with married couples for, for a quarter century, let me tell you, Josh, the number one complaint that women have, so again, we're talking about the, one of the critiques is that, that this, is, this is unfair to women, right? One of the number one complaint, mm -hmm. the number one complaint of women, where did the romance go in our marriage? Mm. Where did the romance go? And so often what happens, Josh, is that sexuality becomes not the capstone, the most full expression of our intimacy with one another, but the only expression of our intimacy sure. with one another. Okay, maybe on Valentine's Day, some, some chocolates and, a, a, and, and, and flowers right, and, a, and right. a dinner out. But other than that, sex is the only way we have intimacy. Well, now tell me, you know, what about if one spouse has to travel for work? What about when the wife is pregnant? Or what about when, when one of them is sick and you can't physically express your love for one another? in a sexual way, all those things I described put extra burdens, extra stress on the relationship, and we've taken away the only way that you know to express love. We've got a really big problem at that point. So what we have to get back well, to is... It, go ahead. Well, the, the, I guess I wanted to go back to something you said earlier, Father, um, just a few moments ago, is if somebody is hearing this for the first time, if this is something that, you know, really hasn't been brought to their attention. As we're talking about the problems that can result from artificial contraception, from, you know, and, and as you're talking now about has there ever been that exercise of abstinence in leading up to a marriage, and it will be difficult then to sustain in a marriage, I guess the thing I'd like to go back to and say is, God's glad you're open and listening to this, but it's not too late is the other part of that. You know, there's always the opportunity to say, okay, I now have new information. What do I do with that and how do I proceed now? Right. And the information that, that you and I are providing for people's minds, you know, the, the light of truth for their, their minds so that it resonates to form their conscience, right? Because people talk a lot about conscience. Well, I'm just following my conscience. No, the church says you have to follow a well-formed conscience. 
So you and I are, are trying to help with the information to make a well-formed conscience, but then it's got to be in the human heart. And that's where I'd say, if you're hearing what we're saying and it's not convincing you or or you're you're just kind of, uh, it's, it's just it's a, it's a tough sell, go to prayer. What you really need is to take what's, what we're giving you in the mind and bring it to your heart and let Christ touch your heart. Let him heal you of any pride, of any lust, uh, of, of any stubbornness. Uh, let him be there at work in your heart. That's what that we really need. It's, it's the head and the heart together. Uh, and that's, I think, what a lot of people are, are dealing with is that they may know what's right in their mind and, and their conscience may even ring that alarm bell to warn them, but they're not willing on the love of the heart to make the right choice. And, and so Our for you and I also today, to pray for those around us to, to have that grace to accept the truth. Our spiritual director is Father Joseph Johnson, a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis. And I want to give out the phone number once again, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, if you'd like to speak with Father Johnson. As today we're discussing openness to life in a marriage relationship and what has helped you in your marriage in being open to life. How has being open to life helped you to grow closer to your spouse? How has it helped you to exercise that trust in God, uh, to be more disciplined and to be able to uh, live out that intimacy with your spouse in other ways that you can show them you love them? Maybe you do have a question about the Catholic Church's teaching on artificial contraception. Uh, you don't understand an aspect of what we're talking about here, and you'd like to call in with a question. 888 Father Teresa is listening in Illinois. Uh, Teresa, is it Geneseo? Is that how you pronounce your town? Geneseo. Geneseo. Okay. Well, thanks so much for calling in. You're on the air. Hi. Um, I just wanted to share my story of trust in God. Um, I am, I consider a young mother in my 30s who homeschools, and I have eight children. Um, and during that time, um, there was a six-year gap of not being able to hold on to a pregnancy. I had six miscarriages, and um, I found out that I had clotting disorder after having my first four children, and um, it must have gotten worse as I got older. Um, I wouldn't have known that I had it um, had I not uh, pursued further in having more children and being open to life and um, also with the clotting factor, I could have been at very high risk had I been put on artificial birth control for DVT, uh, stroke, blood clots, and whatnot. Um, but uh, that there is grace in choosing God's will for your life. You don't know what path really um, ultimately he wants to take you unless you're open to that and to have trust in him and that he doesn't make mistakes. Thank you, Teresa, for, for sharing your story. Thank you for your, your faith and your trust uh, in the Lord. And, and God bless you with the, the beautiful household full of, of life. Uh, and, I, and again, you know, not taking for granted that, 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 that raise, being open to life and raising a, a household full of, of children, there are burdens that come with that, but the blessings always outnumber the burdens, always. And that, and that trust in God's plan uh, definitely carries you forward. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the call, Teresa. 
Father, uh, you know, listening to her talk about that trust and just persevering there and, uh, you know, that openness to life that she has, uh, you know, (laughs) so many miscarriages. My wife and I have had uh, a number of miscarriages too. Openness to life is not necessarily going to be an easy road either. I think that's another thing we can talk about here. You know, you, you brought up the aspect of abstinence for certain periods in a marriage and our society at large wants to say no why in the world would you ever avoid if you can enter into that sexual relationship you should enjoy it without any sort of uh, restraint prohibition you should just go for it but as with almost all things that we experience in the spiritual life we have to exercise restraint and discipline at different points. And if we don't, (laughs) we're kind of sacrificing uh, part of what elevates us as humans with intellect, with reason, as spiritual beings. Well, and you hear that in in the way people talk about these things. I, I, I have an itch, so I scratch it. You know, if it feels good, do it. You know, it's complete self indulgence, it's complete living by our urges. Uh, which is a repudiation of our reason, of who we are. I actually have an urge, uh, when someone's screaming at me, I have an urge to punch them. But thankfully, I don't live by my urges. My mind is saying, don't do that. <laughs> Show restraint. You've got to be the bigger person here, and you don't want to go to jail, right? Uh, you know, so reason kicks in when our urges are, are, are maybe legitimate urges, but, but we shouldn't live by them. Uh, and that's why... What we've got to be doing is is working on our willpower. Do I do I just give in to every temptation? Can I not walk past the kitchen without uh, grabbing something to eat and snacking all day or whatever? Or do I have seconds of everything or you know lots of big desserts and rich and foods and do I binge watch every show I like on on TV? Do I you know do I spend nine hours straight playing a video game? Do I just indulge, indulge, indulge? In which case, yeah. If you've never put the brakes on any of your urges, wow, you know, this is going to be an uphill battle, but it's one we have to, to, to win. Because if I just live by my urges, prescinding from what we're talking about, openness to life, but if I just do that across the board, it's going to create a disaster in every aspect of my life. Now, I, I remember having a, a young couple that was engaged and they were living together and we're going through marriage preparation and I'm telling them this is this is a problem, you know, we need to talk about this, whatever, and, and I need you to, to uh, live as brother and sister, you know, not have sexual relations till the wedding, and we were talking to it, and we had a good conversation with that, but the guy says, well, Father, the wedding's six months away, do you know how hard that is? And I just looked at him, and I said, buddy, I promised this for life, six months is a yeah, walk yeah. in the park, <laughs> right? And we all laughed uh-huh. together, we laughed together, you know, realizing, yeah, you know, that, that each one of us in our own way, in our own vocation, our own state of life, we have to have self-mastery, you know? So, so there's self-control, there's self-discipline, but what we're really aiming at is this self-mastery. I am the master of myself. I don't just let myself be pushed and pulled according to my urges here and there as they come. Uh, and that's, that gives me an independence and autonomy of who I am, then to be able to dedicate myself to God and following his commandments, dedicate myself to my spouse and my family and what have you. Uh, but if I'm just living by my urges, I'm not going to be faithful to anyone 
not even myself. I get carried away by my urges. Oh, I'm sorry. I just got carried away. Yeah, because you've let yourself be carried away because you've never developed that self-restraint, self-control, self-mastery. Father Joseph Johnson is our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today, and the phones are open for your call at 888-914-9149. As we're talking about that openness to life that we're called to in marriage, how have you been open to life in your marriage? How has that helped you to grow closer to your spouse, to trust in God more, uh, His will for your family? Maybe you have a question regarding the Catholic Church's teaching on artificial contraception, and openness to life, you can call in 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. I know we have a lot of you on hold. We'll try and get to as many calls coming up here right after the break on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, so glad to have you along for this hour. As today we're talking with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Johnson, a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, discussing the Church's teaching on openness to life in a marriage and uh, the teaching that the Church has regarding artificial contraception and the problems that that brings into that marital relationship and welcoming your phone calls at 888-914-9149, If you've just joined us also, um, just because we are talking about that marital relationship, uh, we're not talking necessarily about a lot of the methodology of natural family planning, if you're familiar with that, but... Uh, we do want to focus on those aspects of understanding how the church says a marriage should uh, progress as the couple grows together, uh, growing closer to God, growing closer to each other. Um, but this, we also might have some material that might not be great for younger ears. Um, we're trying to do our very best to keep the conversation elevated, of course, but if you have a young child nearby, you might want to come back and listen to the podcast later, and it'll be posted here this afternoon at RelevantRadio.com, or you can find the podcast on the Relevant Radio app. But again, you're welcome to call in with your questions or your comments, 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Jack, who's listening in the Chicago area. Jack, thanks for calling in. Hi, how are you? Good, um, go so right ahead. Basically, thanks. Uh, so I've been in a relationship for about three years, uh, really in love with this woman. We've been thinking about getting married. And uh, she, you know, I, I have changed. You know, we weren't really living the, you know, perfect Catholic way the first year and a half of our relationship or so. And then I have really kind of dug my heels in onto these uh, Catholic teachings and this is a huge kind of shock to her, frankly, and she really doesn't want to fall out of this stuff. And really, when you boil it down, she's told me that it causes you know pain during the marital act, to, you know. And she even has a medical condition that like it physically hurts her when, you know, in, in many many cases when, you know, you follow the teachings essentially. And I just I don't know what to say to her because she feels like that you know every you know each and every time you know you complete the full you know the act then it hurts so I just I don't know what to do and I'm still kind of lost. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Jack. First of all, thank you for allowing your conscience to awaken you, and and it's very hard once you're in a relationship with a set pattern of of behavior to change that to to pull back. 
uh, and say, okay, Lord, uh, we, we went too far and we need to reset the boundaries here. Uh, you know, so, so thank you for, for allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you in that way and, and give you fortitude. Now, as far as the particulars of your situation, oh my goodness, you know, Josh, we could spend weeks just talking about right. difficult situations. Uh, there are difficult situations where because of a medical condition or, uh, you know, someone loses their job and I can't support a family. How could I, you know, da, da, da. There are lots of these. So what I would say is your your best bet, you know, is to, to, to sit down because it, it, I, I don't want to pawn you off on someone else, but I'm thinking maybe we need to get into this at a level that, that we don't want the rest of the country uh, listening to, um, you know, to talk about the, the individual, you know, particularities of your situation. Uh, but that that maybe if you could go to your pastor and sit down and describe this, or if there is an NFP-only doctor that's in your area. I, we're blessed in the Twin Cities that we have some wonderful Catholic doctors that just do NFP, and they're great talking people through these things and, and all of that. Or pick up the phone and call uh, one of the NFP providers. You know, because as much as this may be a, a, a situation that's that's new to you, it's probably not new to them. You're probably not the first couple that have had some issues in this way, and they might be able to help you with that. But the the the, the other aspect of all of this that I want to bring out is it's not just about uh, the the methodology of it and 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 all of the rest, uh, but that there's a richness that we're leaving space for. When we uh, when we don't make uh, the sexual act the, the 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 centerpiece of everything and and it's my way rather than God's way, is is so we leave room for other ways of romance. You know, we're going to abstain uh, from sexual relations, but that doesn't mean we're not going to be intimate. But intimacy is going to look different. It's going it's going to have a, a beauty to it that that most women actually find delightful. That that it's like it's like Wow, I never knew that our relationship could be this rich because we always leapt over all of those things and went straight to sex. You know, uh but but there's there's now that we've said that's off limits, we're forced to develop all these other beautiful ways of communicating with one another, of reverencing one another, of a closeness that's not just a physical closeness, but a true emotional closeness with the other person. Uh, that that there, so I want you to think, Jack, about the blessings that God has in store for you, and 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 this, uh, and and how He wants to help you as you've taken this one first important step to to break uh, out of that pattern. Now, what's the next step? Uh, so let let me know through Relevant Radio, or or call one of these these natural family planning providers, or talk to your own pastor. But but no, God has wonderful things in store for you as you begin to walk uh, away from from this and to embrace the beauty of His plan for for man and woman. Jack, thanks for calling in and just being so honest and vulnerable with uh, you know a, a very difficult situation there. And I hope that gives you some different options that you can look to. And uh, again, like Father Johnson said. You know, email us. Let us know. Um, uh, you know how things go. You can email the show innerlife at relevantradio.com, 
And uh, you'll be in my prayers, of course. Um, I know there will be many other people praying for you and your girlfriend, that if it's God's will for you to be married, that he will make that clear to you and and give you the grace and strength you need for that relationship. Uh, Father, let's go back to the phones. Anna is listening in Fullerton, California. Anna, thanks so much for calling in. Thank you. Um, so I actually wanted to just comment in and share my story. I am engaged. I'm in my early 20s, and my fiancé and I have been dating from a very young age. And from the beginning, we were not uh, chaste or abstinent. And actually, that that started during our engagement, and it allowed us to have intimacy with each other that was not physical, like Father said. Um, and really, it's truly helping us to um, have this time of engagement be a time to allow Christ to be at the center of our relationship, which is how we want to begin our marriage, with Christ at the center. Um, and it's just been a really great thing to experience. Beautiful. Thank you, Anna, for sharing that. You know, and, and ladies, listen to that. Don't listen to me, an old celibate man, say it. Listen to Anna say it. It <laughs> created space for a richness and an intimacy that wasn't there before when we just had the physical. Take it not just from me, from a theology book. Take it from someone who's living it. Uh, you know, it's important that we be convinced of of this truth, uh, that it's not just some dry doctrine on a page, but it actually it makes a big difference in the way we live and 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 the the, the joy that's possible there. And of course, back to that pride, right, Lord? I believe that marriage is your plan for me and and and, and my you know fiance. But we're going to live your plan according to our rules. You know, it, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, so to have that, that humility to say, no, Lord, this is your plan. We're going to live it your way. There come the blessings of God in abundance. Anna, thanks so much for calling in and sharing. Again, the phone line, 888-914-9149. Uh, Father, before we go back to the phones, let's talk a little about natural family planning. Uh, you, we touched on it. Uh, a little earlier in the hour, but let's let's talk about um, when a couple uses natural family planning. It's avoiding a pregnancy. The church teaches that this also should be maybe the exception rather than the norm. You know, if there are health reasons, if there's financial burdens that might necessitate that postponement of a pregnancy then the couple, they need to pray, they need to discern. You talked about having that well-formed conscience, you know, if they need to wait and uh, to welcome another child into their family. But if a couple says, well, okay, so we can't use artificial contraception, but we're going to use natural family planning, and they have an attitude to simply avoid having children altogether, or I'm going to postpone having children just for my own selfish reasons in a marriage. You know, I want to be able to travel before I have kids. I want to, you know, get all of these things in my life before I have a child. That's problematic as well. There still needs to be that openness to life that exists in marriage and it really should be for more of those grave reasons that we say, okay, this is where we really have discerned God. Uh, you know, we should wait on uh, the wife being pregnant again. That, that's right. And that's where you need to think about it. If you're not ready to have kids, maybe you're not ready to get married, right? So, so maybe you just need to stay single and travel and single and finish your schooling and all that and then get married because, because when we talk about marriage, children are part of that, you know, and, and so we don't want to even talk about NFP as a way to avoid pregnancy, 
usually what we, we prefer to talk about it as a way to space out pregnancies. Or we, we talk about it as, as a way of exercising responsible parenthood. You do not have to intend. This is a caricature, right? A caricature of Catholic teaching that's, oh, every time you have to sex, you have to intend to have a child. No, but you have to be open to it. You have to have not taken any uh, action against having a child. But you don't have to intend to have a child every time that you, you, you have marital relationships. You just have to be open to that possibility. Uh, and, and that's, I think, what, what sometimes gets missed you know, in, in all of this is that, that uh, you know, parenthood is to be exercised prudently, uh, you know, responsibly. And, and that, what does that look like? And as you said, there are serious reasons that we need to invoke if we're going to say, not right now for children. You know, whether that's emotional health, whether that's financial uh, instability, you know, whether it's a physical reason, you know, but it needs to be something more than a selfish, my preference is that we can travel for 10 years before we settle down, you know, or something like that. Right, right. Father, uh, we've got a few minutes here. Let's go back to the phones. Megan is listening in Portland, Maine. Megan, thanks for calling in. You're on the air with Father Joseph Johnson. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to call in and share my story. Like the previous caller, um, I, we, my husband and I, who are now married, we now have a child and are pregnant with our second. But when we were engaged, we were discerning Catholicism. We were not yet Catholic, either one of us, but we were exploring it. And he did a retreat. He came back home and he said, sweetie, I really think that we need to be abstinent. And I started crying. I didn't understand why. And what I ultimately realized was that I equated um, the marital act, the sexual act, with love. And we, we decided to become abstinent, and we, um, we developed this, this loving relationship, this intimacy that I never understood. And that helped me later on to form my relationship with God and to understand the beauty of that love. Beautiful. Megan, Thank thanks so much for, for calling in. Father, we only have about 60 seconds here, but I wanted to let you know the timing before you respond. Yes, yes. Thank you, Megan, for yet another testimonial. The Church's teaching works. It's beautiful. It blesses your life if you go along with it. God has a plan, and He sees things clearly to bring us blessings. Mm. Trust the Father, Lord. so... So many other things that we could talk about in this uh, topic of being open to life, of marriage and relationships, uh, just the physical intimacy. But also, I'm so glad we had so many people who called in and spoke about the ways they've been able to grow in intimacy outside of just that physical relationship and marriage. Uh, Father, we've got about 30 seconds here for a final blessing for our listeners. May the Lord open the hearts of all those who have been listening to this discussion to the beauty of the truth and trust in his providential care. May Almighty God bless all of you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Joseph Johnson. Thank you for listening. also want to give a, th- a special thank you to Nick Sentovich and to Jim Shaper for their help in producing the program. And, of course, stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next here, followed by The Faith Explained with Cale Clark. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about how we can live in Christ, remain in Christ. It's going to be a great conversation. I hope you can join us for the hour as we delve deeper into how we can grow in that relationship with Christ. We'll see you tomorrow here on The Inner Life.